want us to stay in the atmosphere of worship and what's happening here as we kind of transition into the message for today. You can turn the lights up a little bit. Um, if you have a tithe and offering that you want to give here, you can drop it in the bucket now or later. It doesn't matter. We're flexible. Um, but I want to share something that's been on my heart. To be honest, most of this week, I wasn't really clear, Lord, what are you saying? Who's supposed to preach? What are we supposed to preach about? And the only thing I kept coming back to was Romans 8. And to be completely transparent, even last night, I was telling the Lord, so what about Romans 8 do you want us to say? And I really felt like what he had for us today was honestly to just go verse by verse through Romans 8. Can we just do that? So the word of God is living and active, right? It is enough to, we were talking about this last night. We could just read the chapter and go home and you would be filled. I have no doubt about that. This is one of the most incredible passages of scripture in the entire Bible. And I think it has some incredible applications for us. Uh, And then we always... um, Talk about pre-service prayer is this amazing time, but if you ever want to see how the Holy Spirit works in a room, seriously, just come to pre-service prayer because what happens is somebody will have a word about something and they'll say something like this. I have no idea. Let me just tell you what happened this morning. Reese said, I have no idea. Maybe this is just for me. I don't know. But I just kept feeling like God was saying there's no more condemnation in Christ Jesus. And I'm thinking that's um, verse 1 of Romans chapter 8, Right? I'm like, that's crazy. Somebody else goes, I feel like we're supposed to do this. And somebody else says, that explains what I was thinking. And and I love that. I love watching it because when the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, nine times out of ten, it doesn't feel like it should. Do you know what I'm saying? We always think it should be God going, attention, my child. Right? Like when Jesus was baptized and everybody's watching, this is my beloved son. And we think that's how God wants to speak to us, but it's not. The way he speaks to us is, is pretty faint. I heard a preacher say it like this this week, and I thought this was the best way to hear God's voice. Are you guys ready? You guys ready? It's intense. Okay, close your eyes for a second. Don't say it out loud, but in your own mind, say your first, middle, and last name. Just say your own, in your mind, not out loud. Okay, now, unless some of you guys have a name like Hezekiah, Obadiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, then you can open your eyes. You're probably done. That's what God's voice sounds like more often than not. It sounds like your thoughts because you and the Holy Spirit are one. The Holy Spirit is in you, right? So it's not what I was planning on preaching out, but I wanted to share that with you guys because when we hear God, um, it's an unbelievably exhilarating experience, but a lot of times we're hearing God so much more than we think we are. So what we're going to do is we're going to have an interactive experience with Romans chapter 8. I honestly don't know how far we're going to get, so fingers crossed we make it to the end, but if we don't, that's fine. We'll pick it up at another time. But I, I want to take our time to move through this passage of Scripture. So um, I want you, if you've got a Bible with you or you have the YouVersion translation on your phone, the app, go ahead and turn to Romans 8. We're going to have it on the screen for you as well. Um, honestly, I want to look at this in the Passion Translation, but the, the theological side of me has to disclaim that this Passion Translation is kind of like the message. It's a paraphrase. It's not a word-for-word thing. So even though we're going verse by verse, we're not doing an in-depth study. Does that make sense? So if you want to do an in-depth study, I highly recommend looking at the ESV as your starting point. That's my personal preference for that. Um, but you guys also know I love the Amplified. So we like to dabble in all the translations around here. Um, All right, so we're going to be looking exclusively at the Passion Translation. So here we go. This is what it says in verse 1. You guys ready? So now, now. Everybody say now. Now. In this moment, right now, and in the one 2,000 plus years ago. In this moment right now, the case is closed. Everybody clap your hands. It's closed. There remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Jesus, the anointed one. 
We're going to stop there. It's going to be a long morning. I'm just kidding. Um, but I do want to make a note of this. Okay, so I need a couple of volunteers. So Grant, come be my volunteer. Ryan, are you up? Okay, Ryan, you're going to stand here. Grant, you're going to get that microphone. Ryan is you and I, okay? He's, he's a person, a human. Thank the Lord. You're not an alien, right? We didn't, we didn't mistaken. Sorry, guys. I'm rain it in. All right, so I'm going to be the voice of the accuser. Grant's going to be the voice of Jesus, okay? So Grant, just say Jesus-y things Jesus-y in the way things. that Jesus typically does, okay? Jesus does. Great, Jesus-y things. Okay, so Ryan is going to try to think about life. He's going to try to just be human, okay? Ready? All right, ready, Ryan, Grant? Go ahead. I love you. Are you kidding me? You're amazing, Did Ryan. you really do that? You're so powerful. I, are you serious? Strong, They're going to think you're the biggest idiot in the world. the world. Oh, my gosh. Are you serious? Oh, I'm never going to live that down. They are going to be, like, so over me all over. Okay, time out. Does anybody, like, you, you don't have to raise your hand, but think about this. Does anybody ever feel this way in your own life? Jesus might be saying something to you, but there's accusation all around you. Does that make sense? If I had two more of you guys come up and I was the voice of one type of accuser, and let's say Thompson was the voice of another type of accuser, right, it would be almost impossible to focus on what Jesus is saying. This is what it's like. Okay, you can sit down. This is what it's like when God is telling us, now there is no more condemnation Jesus has silenced the voice of the accuser. So if we brought them back up, well, let's just do that one more time. Sorry, stand up, sit down, fight, fight, fight. Okay, so uh, Grant, go ahead. Say the exact same things that you did, okay? But now I'm going to be silenced because that's what Jesus did. Okay. Ryan, I'm so proud of you. You're doing such a great job. You're doing great. You're going to change the world for God. You're, you're going to make it to the end. Great job, buddy. Great. That's way easier. So easier, right? Don't you all want to hear God say that to you? But we have the voice of the accuser in our mind. But here's the thing you guys have to understand, okay? Now, in this moment, you have to recognize that voice from heaven's perspective is dead. It is silenced. So the only way you are hearing that voice is because you want to. Because you want to. Now, you might be saying to me, are you kidding me? I don't want to hear that. I don't want to rehearse negative things. But the way the brain works, okay, the way the brain works, it empowers what you actually want to think about. So now you have to ask yourself, if you're constantly hearing accusation, you have to ask yourself, why do I like that? What is it about the accusation that feels good to me? Here's a couple of examples. The first one might be it feels comforting because it's all you've ever known, right? Maybe you feel bad about feeling good about yourself. Does anybody ever do that? You don't have to raise your hand, but just think about it. I know there was a period in my life where I felt like I don't deserve to feel good about myself. So I don't, it's like I wanted to kind of keep that voice around to make me humble. Let me just tell you, the Holy Spirit does a great job of keeping you humble, Okay. It is his job. It's one of the things he loves to do. He enjoys it. So you don't have to do that for yourself. He will take care of that for you. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So when we talk about silencing the voice of the accuser, there remains no accusing voice of condemnation. So the only one that's remaining is the one we empower because from God, there is no more. Amen? Amen? If you are experiencing tremendous accusations in your life, What I want you to do is begin to recognize God is not empowering that voice. So everything you're hearing, you wake up in the morning, you're like, God, again, I'm such a failure. 
You go to bed at night and you're thinking about that thing you said. Does anybody ever um, do this where you have an awkward interaction with somebody and then all you can think about for the next three months is that interaction where you're like, I should have said this instead of that, right? I'm the biggest put-your-foot-in-the-mouth person. Maybe that's why I do like Peter in the Bible. But I was, um, I, was, uh, I was at a funeral one time when I was younger, and I made a joke about a dog playing dead. It was awful. And as the joke came out of my mouth, I thought to myself, what did you just do? And my brother, who always holds me to the line, gave me those eyes, like, you are evil. And I was like, I was just trying to lighten the mood. I don't know. And I, I thought about that for years. It would come back in my mind. Like, that was so, and it was, it was silly, right? I was like 16. Like, I didn't know any better. That's what accusation is like. So when we get serious about taking the Bible at its word, this is what it looks like. We stop and we say, wait a second. In the kingdom of God, this voice doesn't exist. This voice doesn't exist. So here's what I want to do. I told you we're going to be interactive this morning, and I want you to stay in an atmosphere of worship which means I want you to focus on what God is doing in the room. So we're going to just be bold today, okay? If you feel like you consistently struggle with hearing accusation or feeling condemnation, I'm going to ask you to stand up, and we're going to take a moment to just pray breakthrough over you. So I'm going to need you to be bold, and I'm going to ask you not to rehearse this moment for the next five months, okay? So stand up, okay? If that's you, if you feel like I consistently hear accusation, I'm telling you, today is your day of breakthrough where Jesus himself is going to shut that voice, amen? So if you're sitting near somebody like this, extend your hand to them, and let's all pray together, okay? So I'm going to give a second for you guys, church, to pray over these ones. Listen, there's nothing wrong with you. Let me, before we pray, let me just say this. There's nothing wrong with you. This is a normal human nature thing, but what we want to do is be citizens of heaven, which lives above the human nature. Does that make sense? So there literally is no sense of shame if this is something that you struggle with. It's Jesus's delight to cancel this on your life right now. All right, so church, pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We release your spirit of breakthrough right now in the name of Jesus. We release your presence of the Holy Spirit over these brains right now in Jesus' name, over these souls, over these spirits. And so we command right now the voice of the accuser to be silenced, and we command the voice of the sin nature to be silenced as well in the name of Jesus. We release a declaration over each and every one of these that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And from this point forward, your eyes will see differently than they did before. Father, we ask you come right now and bring deliverance for those that need it from a a, a tormenting spirit that wants to bring accusation, which is different. We speak deliverance over those right now in Jesus' name as well. Now, guys, put your hand over your head. And I want you to pray this over yourself. I belong to the Lord Jesus. I invite the blood of Jesus to come over my mind. To renew my neural pathways. And to break the power of the habitual cursing that goes on in my mind. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you guys can sit down. Here's the thing, okay? There's a difference between when we rehearse out of our sin nature, our flesh, and when the enemy is accusing. There's a, there's a difference there. And so if you feel like, like you move on from this point and it just, it, the, when the enemy is accusing, it's just vicious. It's vicious. You can't turn it off. When somebody tries to tell you something else, it just doesn't seem to stick. And if that's you, if you're like, man, that, I, it's like deep in me or you go about your week and you begin to notice, oh, there's something else here. Deliverance is for you, okay? So I can tell you, I'm going to put her on the spot, but Judy would love nothing more <laughs> than to cast that crap off of you, amen? 
I would too, okay? Uh, I always put her on the spot. I always tell people, tell her I sent you so that she knows that you're serious about it. But, um, but I'm, I'm serious. I want you guys to know there is help and freedom for you. I was actually reflecting this week. I told the Lord, I feel like it's not fair the level of freedom that I'm living in. And God began to remind me, it makes me want to cry thinking about it. God began to remind me of about a 10-year period where all I did was fight and fight and fight and draw lines in the sand and barely step over and have to draw a new one and, you know, and inch my way through. But I am telling you, the amount of freedom you can live in in your mind is unbelievable. And it's because of Jesus. Don't let anybody think it's because girl power or, you know, high five dudes or whatever is popular today. Yeah, let's, let's not make that trending. But, um, but you guys understand what I'm saying? Like, like there's a self-help thing that makes you think you can get that freedom. It pales in comparison to the blood of Jesus. Can we just acknowledge that? So I am telling you, there is no excuse for you not to be free. Out of my words and the words of the Bible. Should we go to verse 2? Great. Okay. Verse 2. For the law of the spirit of life flowing through the anointing of Jesus has liberated us from the law of sin and death. This is one of the reasons why I wanted to read this out of the Passion Translation. Because Paul is a brilliant scholar. He is a unbelievable thinker. He is like Einstein type thing. So when he writes, it reads like a legal document, right? And I don't know about you, but when I read it, I was telling Grant, I, I studied Romans for like five years before I understood half of what it said in the ESV. So I like how the Passion Translation paraphrases it, which is why we're doing that today. So I'm going to read it again. For the law of the spirit of life, which is flowing through the anointing of Jesus, has liberated us, okay? And the law from the law of sin and death. Now we talk about this a lot. What is the law of sin and death? This is the law that the Old Testament created, God created as a, uh, the necessary means to an end to deal with the sinful nature of people before the cross happened, okay? So the law in the Old Testament was always meant to expire, but here's the kicker. You and I get to choose which system we want to live under. We get to choose. If we want to live in the system of the law and sin and death, we're going to experience a lot harder things. We're going to be in the, the, the system of consequences. When we come over here and we recognize that through the new covenant, Jesus literally is not holding your sins against you. Should we go on sinning? Obviously not. That's what the Bible says, right? But if we do sin, Jesus is not holding it against you. This is unbelievable, and it truly is liberating. It's, and I should say this too. It's not fair. You guys get that? I think a lot of us in our, in our human reasoning, we're like, well, that's not fair. There should be a consequence because I knew I shouldn't do this and I did it anyway. That's not fair. And God is going, I know. I know. You're welcome. And it's really up to you to decide which system you want to take from his hand. The one that he felt like wasn't eternal or the one that is. All right, verse 3. For God achieved what the law was unable to accomplish because the law was limited by the weakness of human nature. This is what I'm talking about. God achieved what this couldn't accomplish. See, God knew this system was flawed. I don't think he wanted it. It was just a means to an end. Has anybody ever lived in like a starter home and you're like, I know I don't want to die in this home. <laughs> 
right? It's like, it's a good home. It's fine. I'm thankful to have a house, but I don't see myself here 20 years from now. I really want to be somewhere else. That's what this is like. There's, there's like an ending point to it. And God is saying, this was always flawed because of human weakness. So I actually overstepped all the issues that you could ever have because I know you'll never be good enough to make it here. That's why I gave myself for you to do that. One of the more um, significant turning points of my life, I was going into my senior year in high school, actually, and I was um, asleep at a summer camp, and I had a prophetic dream, and in true uh, arrogant fashion, just be honest, I thought it was for somebody else. I was like, well, that can't be for me. So I gave it to about three other people, and all of them were like, I don't think that's me. I was like, oh, okay. And then the Lord said, hey, <laughs> it, it was for you. I was like, oh, okay. And here was the dream. I was driving my car, and I was driving it through my high school parking lot. And the farther I drove, the more narrow the road became to where it was a sidewalk directly the exact width of my car. So I couldn't see on either side. And as the road began to become narrow, there was water on both sides. And then the road stopped and there was a pool in front. And then there was road on the other side of the pool. So I thought to myself in the dream, I'm going to back up and I'm going to jump it. I'm going to make it. I don't know why. So I, I backed the car up and I took off full steam ahead. Here's the edge of where I was trying to get to. The car gets to right here, and it sinks to the bottom. Now, uh, I was a good rule follower kid, so I knew all the safety measures when you're driving. And so I knew if you go under in the water, you got like two seconds to get out, because otherwise the water pressure, right? And I, it was just over. In my dream, I thought I was gonna die. I, I sunk to the bottom of the pool. It was like 20 feet underwater. And I didn't even try to open the door because I knew better it wouldn't open. The next thing I know, I hear a knock on the window of the door. I look over and there's a lifeguard underwater and he says, open the door handle. I said, it's not going to work. And he goes, this is just a very keen insight into my mind. Uh, and so he goes, open the door handle a second time. I said, are you serious? We're underwater. It's not going to work. And a third time, this lifeguard says, just pull the handle. And in my exasperation to prove him wrong, I go, look, it's not going to work. And I pulled the handle and effortlessly the door opened. And I found myself the next like, moment of the dream, I was up on the sidewalk soaking wet, looking around for the lifeguard who wasn't there. I wanted to thank him because I knew he'd saved my life. And as I'm looking and looking, somebody else walked up and I said, did you see where that lifeguard was? And the person looked at me and said, that wasn't a lifeguard, that was Jesus. And I woke up. And what God began to show me was, listen, Rachel, none of your best efforts are good enough. You can make it right here. I was so close, you guys like inches. You can, every, you can do everything right. You can, do, you can say no to every bad thing. You can you know, never speak a negative word, right? You can do everything right, and you're still only going to make it right here because it's the grace of God that gets us into relationship with him. It was always a gift, so we need to stop trying to earn it. I just bought my kids, if they're watching, surprise. I just bought them some back-to-school presents, um, a little back-to-school present for each of them. And if I gave that to them and they spent the next year trying to prove to me that they were worthy of this $6 gift I bought them, that would make me sad as a parent. You guys get that, right? But that's what we do to God all the time. I got to prove to you, Lord, that I'm, a wor that, I'm, that I'm worthwhile. So I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. And it's not really about the can'ts, right? Because God is not sin conscious. He's not micromanaging your sin. I know this might be news to you. He's not micromanaging your sin. He's aware of your sin, and he doesn't want you to have it. So let's just make that clear, okay? But he also already dealt with it. 
So when God, when you're interacting with the Lord and God is saying, in my eyes, there's no condemnation. When you come to me, I am not saying, apologize first for what you did. Then we can chat. That's not the heart of God. This is what he's saying when he says, for God achieved what the law was unable to accomplish because the law was limited by the weakness of human nature. So our human nature can never do it. Amen? And we need to just take a moment to say, thank you, Jesus, for that. Because I'm telling you, when we begin to shift our perspective that we're not trying to earn something from him, we're just receiving it. The life of God, the life of the Spirit begins to flow through us in a greater measure. All right, let's go on to the second part of verse 3. It says, Yet God sent us his Son in human form to identify with human weakness, clothed with humanity. God's Son gave his body to be the sin offering so that God could once and for all condemn the guilt and power of sin. This is an epic moment. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, there's no better time than right now. And if you're here today and you're going, I think I need to know him more like this, there's no better time than right now. Just take a second in your heart and just invite him in in a greater measure. Even if you've done it before, just take a second and say, Lord, I want to understand this part of you. All right, verse 4. So now every righteous requirement of the law can be fulfilled through the anointed one living his life in us. And we are free to live, but not according to our flesh, but by the dynamic power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to let it sink in for a second. So God did all of this. He dealt with all of this. He dealt with the human weakness so that now you get to live but the way he wants you to live is not according to the human weakness. I saw a definition of the flesh being man's spirit, man's, uh, what was it? Man's like perception of the world without God. I was like, hmm, that's an interesting definition. So God is saying, don't live according to that. Don't live as if I'm not present in every moment of your day. Live as if I am. All right, um, verse five. We're, we're slowly making it. <laughs> Those who are motivated by the flesh only, this is one of those verses, just put your seatbelt on, okay, it's fine, we're going to make it through this. Um, conviction is coming probably for some of us. So those who are motivated by the flesh only pursue what benefits themselves. But those who live by the impulses of the Holy Spirit are motivated to pursue spiritual realities. This is what we talked about last week going behind the veil, taking advantage of what God did. So if you're motivated to do that, to go deeper in the Lord, then, then you're motivated by the Spirit of God in you. That's a good thing. That's like, okay, good, I'm actually doing the right thing. If you're thinking, I don't want anything to do with that, it might be an indicator that your flesh is motivating you. It's just a good litmus test for you. Verse 6, for the mindset on the flesh is death, but the mindset, the mindset controlled by the Spirit finds life and peace. For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mindset on the spirit is life and peace. So for those of you guys that need more peace in your life, how do you get it? Set your mind on the spirit. It might take a little while. I don't want to make it sound like it's, you know, you wake up tomorrow and you have no issues. We're all in process, okay? But we need to, to train ourselves, to practice ourselves, to set our minds on the spirit. All right, let's keep going. <clears throat> I'm going to read several verses here. Verse 7. In fact, the mindset focused on the flesh fights God's plan and refuses to submit to his direction because it can't. 
change your mind, I'm going to pause here. The flesh can't follow God's, Lord, God's ways. Here's why. To God, it's dead. Your flesh, to God, does not exist. So it's the same as the no condemnation thing, where God's looking from heaven and saying, uh, this is not real. It doesn't exist to me. This is not in my worldview for you. It might feel real to you, but it has no power in my eyes. That's how God looks at the flesh. Look, it's still a part of your physical body, but I don't see it. I don't see it as a limitation to you. If you'll set your mind on the spirit, you won't be limited by the flesh in the same way. Does this make sense? Are you guys tracking with me? Let's hear an amen, because it's good. It's helpful. It's good to know. The flesh literally cannot do the things of God. It just can't. All right, verse 8. For no matter how hard they try, God finds no pleasure with those who are controlled by the flesh. But when the Spirit of Christ empowers your life, you are not dominated by the flesh, but by the Spirit. And if you're not joined to the Spirit of the Anointed One, you are not of Him. So what does this mean? It's available to everybody in Jesus. That's what he's saying. So if you can't figure out how to make this for you, maybe you haven't really surrendered your life to Jesus. That's, I think that's what Paul is trying to get at here. So here's, here's what I want us to do. I want to take a second. And if you're comfortable, if you feel like this is me, I, I want to experience more of the Spirit. Let's read verse 9 again. But when the Spirit of Christ empowers your life, you're not dominated by the flesh but you're dominated by the Spirit, okay? If you're somebody that would say, man, I need that. I need more of the Spirit working in my life. I want you to close your eyes. Everybody can close their eyes. And just put your hands out like you're going to receive something from God. Remember, this is an interactive morning. And so, Holy Spirit, we, we just recognize we are united with you. You are in us, and we are in you. And, Lord, we actually need more of you. We're asking for more. We're asking you to release more. And I just released a declaration this morning that the Spirit of Christ is empowering your life. And Holy Spirit, right now we ask you to take it up a notch or two or three. Lord, we want to be empowered by you. And if you're asking God to do that in this moment, just close your eyes. Just focus on the Holy Spirit. We're just going to take a second to do this. Just ask him, Holy Spirit, what does it look like to you for me to live empowered by your Spirit? Just let him put a little picture in you. Maybe it's a scripture, maybe it's a thought. What does it look like to take it up a notch today, God? continue that if you want to, if God's speaking something to you, but we're going to keep going. So verse 10, now Christ lives his life in you. So what does that look like for an average believer? What you see Jesus doing. That's the life he wants to live in you right now. Ministering to people, having fun, having dinner with friends, being compassionate, giving to others. That's what he wants to, that's the life he actually wants to live in you. So if you're thinking, I don't think God wants that in me, you're listening to the accuser. Because we're looking at this in the scripture right here. Now Christ lives his life in you. And even though your body may be dead because of the effects of sin, his life-giving spirit imparts to you, this is verse 10, his life-giving spirit imparts life to you because you are fully accepted by God. Listen, friends, you are fully accepted by God. Every single one of you, fully accepted. That's where it's at. That's right, Ryan. 
All right, verse 11. Yes, God raised Jesus to life. Now, here's where it gets good, okay? Just going to let you guys brace yourself for a second. Okay. God raised Jesus to life. And since God's spirit of resurrection lives in you, he will also raise your dying body to life by the same spirit that breathes life into you. Okay? Think about this for a moment. How, power, how much power did God need to raise Christ from the dead? That same amount of power is actually residing in you right now. It's going, help, I went out. Just think about it. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. So think for a second. What's the biggest thing you're facing right now? What's the biggest thing? I know we were talking this morning in pre-service prayer. I know a lot of people are facing challenges in their finances, challenges with their job, challenges with their marriage. Maybe your biggest issue is between you and God. That's real. The same power that resurrected Jesus from death is the same power that's residing in you to overcome whatever is standing in your way right now. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I'm saying there's enough power for it. You're not actually lacking in power. Probably, let me just be blunt for a second. Probably you're lacking in revelation of how to use that power. Does that make sense? So if it's not working for you, then start asking God a different question. What are you trying to do right now, Lord? What am I missing? One of the most devastating moments of my life, I sat in my driveway and I was like, God, why am I not getting healing for this? Why is this not happening for me? And the Lord said to me, because you don't have the revelation to overcome it. I was really offended, just to be honest. I said, okay, God, give me the revelation. He said, the only way to get the revelation is to go through this procedure that I was trying to avoid through prayer ministry. And he was right. The hard road became the road of revelation. Sometimes the blockage, we're going, I don't have enough power, it's not working, or God doesn't want this for me. And God's going, no, let the power out as you walk through the difficulty, amen? Let the power out as you're facing frustration after frustration. When you're standing in the moment of setback, let the power out, like, help, I want to help you. I want out to help you, right? And, and we keep going, shh, shh, that doesn't make sense. I gotta be over here, I gotta worry, I gotta whatever, right? And God's going, no. Let me out. Let me speak to you. Let me reframe your life. Let me convince you that I'm here. Amen? Amen. Same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is living in you right now. Like, what? It's amazing. We're going to do two more verses this morning. So then, verse 12, so then, beloved ones, the flesh has no claims on us at all. And, okay, let's read that again because that's good and the next part's even better. The flesh has no claims at us at all. Okay, what does that mean? If you have an addiction habit in your life, okay, that has a, quote, claim on you. And what the Bible is telling you is the same spirit in Jesus allows you to live as if that claim does not affect you anymore. Can we get totally candid for a second? There's only little babies in the room, so we can talk <laughs> frankly. Okay. So uh, uh, if you struggle with pornography, let's talk about that for a second. If you struggle with like an addiction to pornography, okay, so like a, a habit, it's a habit. It's not just an occasional thing, it's a real habit. Or when you, what's an addiction? And to me, the definition of addiction is you cannot cope unless you do this thing. Does that make sense? Okay. All of those things are from your flesh. Can we just agree on that? We might like it, we might enjoy it, but it's from the flesh, okay? So it has really no power. What's Jesus telling you, okay? The flesh has no claims on you. So the next time you feel tempted to go pull up something that's internet pornography or, or whatever type of pornography you want, fantasize in your mind, you don't even have to click on something, 
you have the ability to say no to that claim. You actually do. The, the journey that we've been on, it's like, I, I didn't believe, if you had asked me 15 years ago, I did not believe it was possible to live life never experiencing lust on like the image of someone who's unclothed, okay? I, I, I would have told you that's not possible. But I'm telling you today, life in the spirit makes it possible. Do you go out and do that? Of course not. But there, we live in America, in a digital age. Things happen, right? You'll be watching what you thought was a good movie, and you're like, what is this in here for? And you gotta like fast forward. It's like in those moments, that's when you realize the flesh has no claim on you because it's not sucking you in wanting more. Does this make sense? So it doesn't matter what the addiction is. Whatever you're trying to cope with apart from the life of Jesus, you can declare today. You can decide today. It doesn't have a claim on me. Your brain, this is where it gets really tricky and why people don't like Holy Spirit things. Your brain remembers how you enjoyed that thing, okay? So the next time around, your brain is going to go, remember that felt good. Remember when you ate seven donuts because you were sad and you felt so much better for like a moment, right? Okay, this is what it's like. So your brain is going, you're having a hard moment. Your brain is going, seven donuts, seven donuts, seven donuts. You're driving by Chick-fil-A and you're like, but that's God's food, you know? It can't, it can't be bad for me. That's manna from heaven. Or whatever the case may be, you're clicking through and, and a, a pop of ad or even just a thought goes in your mind. You're like, oh, I'm going to go check out what's new on this porn site. That's your brain going, remember, you liked this, okay? That's what the temptation scriptures are talking about. That's where you say, oh, no, 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 I'm not on that anymore. That doesn't have a claim to me anymore, and you cut it off, amen? amen. Let's do part two of the best verse. Okay, so um, first part, first part, verse 12. So then, beloved ones, the flesh has no claims at us at all. Second part, and we have no further obligation to live in obedience to it. So I'm telling you today, you don't have to look at porn. I'm telling you today, you don't have to have a glass of wine after work to feel better about your day. I'm not shaming you if you do. I'm just saying you don't have to. You're not obligated. When you go to a restaurant, you don't have to get dessert. You might want to. Now, now you guys are like, don't talk about dessert, Rachel. <laughs> that addiction has a claim on me and I like it. Okay, fine. Fine, we'll keep it in the stuff we all agree is bad. Are you guys tracking with me? This is life-changing stuff. When we start to look at our sin and say, oh, wait a second. You obey me. I don't obey you. I don't live in obedience to you. And when you do sin, you get back up again. You stand with God and you look at your sin and you cast judgment on the sin. You don't stand with your, with your sin letting God cast judgment on you. Do you understand that? So you do something wrong. So you go out of here and you're like, all right, Holy Spirit, I'm in it. I am not going to say the F word ever again in my life. Okay, I'm in it, Lord. Okay, and then a few hours later, somebody cuts you off and you're like, beep. And then you're going, what just happened? This is your opportunity to practice what we're talking about right now. Okay? You guys tracking with me? So we're not looking for a track record of perfection. We're looking at a track record of choosing the grace of God. Not to empower us, but to empower us to judge the issue. Amen. I feel like I'm, you guys remember those uh, workout things from, from a long time ago? It was like a slider and you put the booties on. You know what I'm talking about? That infomercial? <laughs> so I feel like I'm doing God's grace. Sin is bad. Anyways, sorry. Let's land the plane. Okay. Verse 13. For when you live controlled by the flesh, you are about to die. But if the life of the Spirit 
puts to death the corrupt ways of the flesh, then we then taste his abundant life. I'm sorry. Amp that up. I'm going to read it again. Let's try that over because it needs a better response from you, okay? For when you lived controlled by the flesh, you're about to die. But if the life of the spirit puts to death the corrupt ways of the flesh, we then taste his abundant life. Amen. Amen. We actually taste it. What does that mean? It affects your taste buds and gets to your brain and rewires stuff. You guys tracking with me? I don't want to walk in a restaurant and just smell it. That is not enough. It has to get in my mouth and then into every other part of me. You guys tracking with me? So our word for 2020 as a church is abundance, walking in his abundant life. That's not changed just because we're in a global pandemic we didn't see coming. It's not changed because we may have lost money in the stock market crash a few months ago. It's not changed because we have to sit here wearing a mask, right? It's not changed because of that. His abundance is still available. So how do you get into it? Stand with God. Let him and you together cast judgment on the sinful things of the flesh. And then walk forward tasting and living out of his abundance. Amen? So here's what we're going to do to end. If that's you, if you want that, you're like, I need the abundance of God in my life, just stand up. Grant, will you play? Just play the champion song. It's fine. Uh Uh-huh. Not air guitar, because that would be hard for us to hear. Could be fun to watch, but hard to hear. Can I just be honest for a second? You guys love that. I'm going to stand up here so you can see me, okay? The Holy Spirit is here in this room, okay? And we're not limited in our expression of him beyond what we limit ourselves in. So sometimes the way that we limit the expression of the Holy Spirit is because we feel uncomfortable about what other people are going to do or think, okay? That's, that's valid. I don't want you guys to judge me. I know how life works, right? I don't want to, like yell out and then be thinking for the next five months. Remember that time I yelled at the end of ministry time because I wanted abundant life and then everybody's going to look at me like I'm that girl? That's accusation. Are we seeing how this works? So when we're in this room, you're in a safe place. You're in a safe place to, to be free to experience what you need from God and know that we are making a commitment together not to judge each other. I can't promise you that every single person isn't judging you, but I can promise that if you feel judged by them, you know what to do with it. Right? So sometimes, remember the power of God's like, hey, I want to get out of you, right? Sometimes we have to do something. We have to jump up and down. The Grant talked about this morning. We have to kneel. We have to raise our hands. We have to move our body. We have to do something. Shout out. I don't know what it is. But I just want to encourage you. We're going to invite the Holy Spirit to come and release his abundant life inside of you, which is the life of his spirit, if you're interested in that. If you're not, you can just worship. It's totally fine. It's totally up to you. I want you to think about it like a big banqueting table and everybody gets free access and there's no COVID. So you can just touch everything. It's fine. Right? Okay, so just close your eyes with me. Can you turn the lights down just a little bit? Lord, if we don't experience your abundant life, then we're not even, like we're missing something so fundamental. And we know, God, that you are too good to exclude us even for our own personal limitations. You're too good to keep us from experiencing what you paid for on the cross, even because we feel shy in this moment. And so just put your hands up and just begin to ask, I just need you, God. I want more of you, God. Whatever it looks like, 
come and be in our midst right now. And we're just going to sing a little bit of this song. And I'm just going to let you interact with God because that's the way it works best. And just let your heart be open to it. It might come as a thought. It might come as a picture. Just go with it. Let him lead you because we, God, we just put a stake in the ground as two different people prophesied this morning at pre-service prayer. We put a stake in the ground that we are people of abundance. We are people of your spirit. We are people who are free from accusation. We are people who are free from the obedience to sin. We are people who are free from the effects of sin. Even right now, I pray against, I just feel like the Lord's highlighting people who've experienced trauma. Like you, you live with the effect of sin because of trauma in your life. And if that's you, put your hand on your heart. And Lord, right now, we just speak a breakthrough for every person that lives under trauma right now. Lord, the effects of that sin is broken today in Jesus' name. It has to fall into the pit with the flesh. It has to fall into the pit with the enemy. And Lord, we release your abundant life over each and every one of those people who struggle with that right now in Jesus' name. We release your breakthrough over them in Jesus' name. So just take a second, worship the Lord, let him fill you, and then we'll end in just a second.
your spirit wants to be alive in Christ. It does. That is its best place. So I bless you this morning to be alive to the purposes of God. I bless you this morning to be walking in his abundance, to have the life of the spirit engaging you and coming out of you in Jesus' name. And I bless you guys to go and live like this scripture has told us how to live, amen? To make it true, to not just hear it, not just smell it, but actually taste it in Jesus' name. We love you guys so much. We're really thankful for you. I personally believe, we believe that what God is doing here is unbelievable and it's only the beginning. The water levels are rising. So I want to encourage you, in this time right now, people need church more than ever. There's a lot of legitimate reasons to be concerned, but God is bigger than those, right? And so I want to ask you, invite somebody to come with you next week. Make it a point to say, I want, I want you to experience the life that God has shared in me. Amen? Let's not keep it to ourselves. Let's not hide it under a bushel. Let's put it on the billboards. Let's blast it out over everywhere that we can. All right, so we love you guys so much. We'll see you next week. If you need prayer for anything specific, come up here and take a